0: You you don't know this, but I've dreamed about you for a long, long time. I always wondered what this would be like. I always wondered how it would feel. And I was right, it's petrifying. (laughs) But it's exciting. Emily sent me a text this morning. I FaceTimed with her in Easton and... And uh, she said, well, are you ready? And I said, nope. I said, I don't think you can be in a lot of ways. She said, well, you're going to be a a senior pastor today. And, um, yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those things where you realize on your own, you got no shot. No shot with God, piece of cake, piece of cake, not because of me, but because of him. So it's exciting to be here, Easton and Emily. I'm going to go on down. I'm worried about this actually making, no, it's good, it's quiet. Um, It's kind of nice, actually. Um, Maybe we can get some padding next time, too. You know, um, Easton and Emily, say hi. They miss you. They're praying for me and for you. And um, they, they will be here in a couple weeks to visit. And um, they're looking forward to that. Of course, I'm looking forward to that as well. And um, it's going to be good. So we're going to just kind of make the best of this situation. We know that God is in control. God is going to take care of the details because God is in the details, He doesn't just do the big stuff. He does the little stuff that makes the big stuff possible. So this is going to happen, and it will happen exactly when it's supposed to happen. So I appreciate your prayers. I appreciate your thoughts. I appreciate all the things that that you get to be a part of in this process. But trust me, this is going to be okay. And there's going to be hard moments, and there's going to be moments where I'm going to go somewhere and hide and cry because I miss my family. Because I'm, I'm that way, you know. I'm, I'm kind of, you'll get to know this if you don't already. Um, emotions are here all the time. Okay? I believe strongly that God made us with emotions. And I take advantage of that quite often. And, and so there's going to be some hard moments. And there's going to be some moments that I'm going to look at you and I'm going to say, I'm, I'm having a hard time right now and you guys are going to help me. And it's going to be a beautiful mess. And it's going to be amazing. So... So pray, but know that when the time is right, it will be, okay? When the time is right, it'll be, and it'll be a wonderful thing, and Easton and Emily will get up here, and, and as I said when I came here to candidate, you, you get to put up with me, you get to enjoy Easton and Emily, and trust me, you, 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 you will, you will. So we're going to be speaking this morning. The title of the message is, It's Time. It's Time. It's time. And we're going to be in, in Haggai this morning. And I'll be honest with you, as I thought about this day and dreamed about this day, probably the last book I figured that we would be speaking in is Haggai. But that's where God led me, that's where God showed me. And I want to kind of give you some, some, some background here before we really jump into our. our, our um, Our text this morning, we are going to be in Haggai. Let me give you kind of an idea where we're at and where we find ourselves in the story, okay? Basically, at this point in time, when Haggai is beginning his ministry as a prophet, basically, the children of Israel have been taken off into captivity in Babylon. God said that they were going to be there 70 years, and after that 70 years, he would restore them back to the land, basically. So 70 years have passed, roughly, and, or not roughly, and they have passed, and now the children of Israel, a remnant, has returned, basically, to Jerusalem. They get there and they begin to rebuild a little bit. After they're there about two years or so, they begin to rebuild the temple. They lay down the cornerstone. They they begin to uh, they, they finish the altar with great celebration and great triumph and fanfare. They're very excited. And then some bad things begin to happen. Some, some problems begin to take place. And they basically cease building the temple. They cease building the temple for 14 years. And then God sends this little minor, that we call minor, prophet, named Haggai, to them. And begins to speak to them about the situation that they find themselves in. And that's where we're going to start this morning, is Haggai begins to share with them the word of the Lord. So if you have your Bibles, if not, they'll be up here on the screen. We're going to look here at verse number 2 in chapter 1, and we'll start there. It says, thus says the Lord of hosts... These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. It's t- it is, is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvest little. You eat, but you are never having enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. Now, we're going to jump down here to verse number 12 and kind of finish. There's a little bit more from verse 7 to verse number 12, roughly, or 11. But uh, it kind of repeats itself slightly. So we're going to jump down here to verse number 12 and finish reading. It says, "Then, says, the son of a guy I'm not even going to try, and Joshua, the son of another guy I'm not even going to try, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I need you. Can't do this without you. Don't want to do this without you. Father, my words aren't enough, but Father, your words change our lives. And Father, that's what we want. We want you to bring forth life change in us. We want you to use your word to make a difference in us. Because we understand that when you come, things change. Father, you are here right now. You have been here. You are experiencing communion with your people. And you don't just want to be with us. You want to change us. You love us. You want us. You desire us. And you desire to make us more like you. So, Father, this morning, less of me, more of you. More of you. Because that's what we need We love you, we thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. The title of the message again is, It's Time. It's Time. This is an interesting portion of scripture. This is kind of an interesting time in in the world of, of basically the Jewish people. You see, not everybody went home. Not everybody left Babylon and went back. There's lots of reasons why, but lots of people stayed. This is a good group of people. When we hear about the remnant of the Lord, that's them. That's the people that leave the comfort of Babylon, and they go back to basically nothing. They go back to a city that has been destroyed, that has been completely sacked, that has been burned. Nothing is there except just basically rocks, and they come. And so they come, and they're excited, and things begin to happen. They lay the, the cornerstone. They have a big, huge celebration. We read about it in Ezra. It's an unbelievable moment. They're excited. They get the, they get the, the altar set up. Everything's going great. And they say, we're going to rebuild the temple. And they're going at it, and everything's... And then some stuff starts to happen that makes them stop. Some enemies begin to sow discord. There's confusion. There's there's lack of focus. All these things begin to happen, and basically they stop. And the temple sits there unfinished for 14 years before finally God begins to speak and God begins to move them in a direction. You see, here's the thing here's we look forward to what God has for us. ...as a family... ...and us as a community... ...let me explain something to you... ...it is time to build the house of the Lord. It's time. Okay? I I, I appreciate... ...do not misunderstand me... ...everything that has gone on before... ...because all of those things... ...God is using as a building block... ...to move us to where God wants us to be. One day in 30 years... ...when I retire... ...you're going to bring somebody else in this place... And they're going to continue to build on what God is doing. You see, God loves doing that. God loves to take these steps. And we begin to move and grow and continue to let God do amazing things in our midst. But the thing you have to understand is as we grow, we are growing as we continue to grow together. And so God looks at the situation. God sees what these children are doing. And he basically says, it is time to rebuild my house. It's time. Now, maybe you came here this morning and you didn't know that. Maybe you came here this morning and you were like, hey, this is great, and I, I think Denver's playing later, and and we'll just get through this. I, I am seeing a lot of orange. Sorry. <laughs> I, I had to do a little bit. I, I thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. I I do remember, you know, somebody once told me, you know, that God uh, is not a fan of a particular team, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And I said, really? And he said, yes. And I said, well, obviously, considering my teams, he's definitely not a fan of my teams. I can tell you that. (laughs) Okay. So, so, So we are moving forward together. But it's time, folks. It's time. And I'm excited that it's time. Now, listen, this, you're going to walk out of here one of two ways, okay? And I'm going to try to keep you from walking out of, the wrong, out of here the wrong way. You can, have a, you're to, you can walk out of here going, woe is me. Man, we've messed up. Man, this is not what it should be. And if you do that, I'm telling you right now, you have no excuses, don't. Because that's not what this is about. Okay? I want you to walk out of here going, oh, my goodness, What is God going to do in this place? How is God going to use me in this place? Mm, I want it to be. I don't know if you're like me. I love Christmas. Okay? If you don't love Christmas, we will pray for you. Okay? That's going to be a problem. Yeah. Okay, well, I will pray for you to love Christmas. I am convinced, and this is a simplistic way, but you know, you have to get used to my simplistic ways. Heaven is going to be like Christmas morning every day. Even better, but you know what I'm saying. That's how that's, that's I can I look at heaven. It's like, man, you excited about heaven? Uh-huh. Why? It'll be like Christmas day every day. You know, and, and what's great about heaven? Okay, there will never be a December 26th, the saddest day of the year. You know, because then you're going. It's oh, it's 356 days again, or three, whatever it is, till Christmas again. You know, love Christmas, and I want us to walk out of here going, "Oh my goodness, Christmas is coming! Christmas is coming, and God's going to use me to make that difference." God wants to use me. I I want to make you, before we get really into this, I want you to understand something. God does not need the children of Israel to build him a house. Okay? God spoke and stuff, boom. God doesn't need us. God wants to use us. God desires us to be a part of what he's doing because it changes us. It transforms us. God doesn't need us to go to Mexico. God doesn't need us to go to Ireland. God doesn't need us to go to Africa. I I use Ireland because I I love Ireland. God doesn't need us to go there and share his word. God could show up and proclaim himself to them and has in different times and different ways. God chooses to use us not because it just changes their lives, but it changes our lives. We get to be a part of what our father is doing. I have a son. Guess what he likes to do? He likes to be doing stuff with dad. There's times where I want to come home and I'm tired and I just want to sit on the couch. And I just want to go, okay, let's just relax here for a minute. And guess what Easton wants to do? Daddy, play with me. Daddy, come see me. Daddy, be a part of my life. And you know what I do as a horrible, terrible father? Can you just give me five minutes? You know what God wants to do? God is Easton. If this makes sense, God is the one that says, "Come be with me. Come play with me. Come experience my love. Come experience my presence." And you know what we do? Oh, but God, I'm so tired. God desires us. He wants us. He wants you. We finished a song as we finished our service. And listen, this has nothing to do with the message. Maybe just a little bit, but just we'll get over it. Where we saw that overwhelm. You know what overwhelms me? That God knows my name. That God knows the number of hairs on my head. Why? Not because God is bored. Not because God is God and he can't. He wants you to understand that even in the stuff that doesn't matter, the stuff that eventually is going to fall out anyway, he knows. He knows and he cares. He knows and he cares about you. And maybe some of you are sitting here this morning and you're just going... Man, I I don't even know if God knows my name. Folks, he knows your name. He knows where you're at. He knows everything you're dealing with. He knows every part of you. And he has a love for you that you can't even comprehend because of how big it is. Do not let the enemy lie to you and listen to that lie and say, God has forgotten me. God knows exactly where you are. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. But Aaron, sometimes I don't feel. Feelings, put them away. Truth, God will never leave you. Period. And he's with you now. And he will never leave you. So maybe you're feeling forgotten this morning. Maybe you feel like God is a million miles away. Well, he sent this weirdo from Albuquerque to show up today because he knew you would be here and he knew I would be here and make sure that you understood that you're not alone that God is with you, and God will never leave you, no matter what you feel. God's word is true. So it's time to rebuild the temple. It's time to rebuild the temple. But as we get into this, we're going to look at a couple things that we need to do or stop to make that a reality. Number one, to rebuild the temple, it is time to stop making excuses. Look at verse number 2. It says this. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, these people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. What's noticeable listen, listen. If let me just be honest with you, okay? If if excuse making was an Olympic sport, it would be the most contested gold medal in the history of the world. We are amazing at excuses. We are professional excuse makers. Moses is standing in front of a bush that is on fire and not being consumed. God is speaking out of said bush. Take off your sandals, holy ground, all this sort of stuff. You'd think at that moment the last thing we would do as a human being is make excuses. And what does he do? He makes excuses. God shows up. Gideon, what's he do? I'm the least of my tribe. I can't do that. I'm the lowest. I'm this. I'm that. We are professional excuse makers. We love them. And it doesn't matter what it is. You notice what they do here. I I love this because this is Christians, okay? All of us are. If not, we'll hopefully make you one or God will make you one today. But we, we are good at this. And you know what we do? We're professional excuse makers in this way. We make it spiritual. We make spiritual. God says, go hear this. You know, God, I, I, I can't give in this way because I, 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 I'm over here giving or, or I, I can't do this in this way because I'm over. We, we are professional. You know, look, the people didn't say they shouldn't build the temple. They knew they were supposed to build the temple. What they did was they argued for the timing of the temple. Ooh, isn't that smart? And we do that all the time. God says, I want you to make a difference in your workplace. I want you to make a difference in this place. I want you to make a difference in your neighborhood, in your community. Oh, but God, is it really time to do that? We know what we're supposed to do, folks. Most of us know what God has called us to do. If I sat you down and locked you in a room and basically said, God has gifted you in areas. God has gifted you in certain ways. What are they? Or what is God calling you to do? And I said, I will not let you leave. Until you tell me what those things are. Most of you would be in there less than two minutes and you could tell me. You know what God has called you to do. The problem is is we make excuses on why it can't happen. I'm not good enough. I'm not okay enough. I don't speak well enough. I don't sing well enough. I don't communicate well enough. I don't love well enough. I'm this. I'm that. I've messed up. Professionals. You know the problem with excuses? When we make them... We basically tell God this, and let's just be honest. We basically tell God, God, you're not big enough to handle my excuse. God, you're not big enough to get past my excuse. Think about what you're saying. Think about what we're saying to God. God says, I want you to go, and I want you to love on that person. Well, but God, I'm not perfect. You think God looks at it and goes, oh, you're right. What was I thinking You think God sits up in heaven and goes, you know, I was really, really excited about using Nathan. I was going to use him in such amazing ways, but I just learned he's not perfect. God knows all the mistakes you've made and all the mistakes you're going to make. And you know what he does? He says, I want to use you anyway. Listen, folks, it is time to stop making excuses. And you know what's funny is like, I, I was thinking about this as I was putting this together last couple of weeks. And, and I was thinking about, I was, like, I was like, God, I wonder, you know, like, I started thinking about what kind of excuses they made. Maybe they said, well, God, we, we would rebuild the temple, but, but we don't have the finances, We would rebuild the temple, but we don't have the manpower. We would rebuild the temple, but you know what, God? We have the altar, and we're making it by, and that's enough. Listen, folks, you need to understand something about God. God doesn't look at you and say, I just have just enough for you. God doesn't look at your life and go, I'll just give you enough. God looks at this place and your life. And listen, when I say your life, don't listen. Because I know I, I know people enough to know they're going to do Some of you are going, no, he's not talking to me. Listen, stop, listen. Every person here I'm talking to. Every single one. You know why? Because if you're doing it, guess what you're doing? You're making an excuse. Every single one of you, God has something amazing for. And God doesn't want to just give you a little bit. God wants to blow your socks off. I have a problem. I don't know if you're like me, where where it's like I can believe anything for you. You come to me and say, Aaron, listen, my house just burnt to the ground. Everything I own was in it. It's destroyed. I mean, like, like Job stuff. And you'll say, pray for me. And I will pray and believe that literally God will make a house just where it was. But for me, it's like maybe, maybe God will throw me a nickel every once in a while. I don't know if you're like that. I know I am. And God is trying to help me understand. Listen, Aaron, when I say life to the full, you're not excluded in that. When I say I have great plans for you, you are not excluded from that. And neither are you. We all are a part of this. But when you make excuses, we don't move in the direction that God wants us to, to go. Listen, we're going to do some things. We're going to move in ways that God desires for us to move. And you know what? It's going to be really easy, I'm going to tell you right now, to make excuses. We've never done it that way. Well, well, we don't have the facilities. We don't have this. We don't have that. And God is sitting there going, so what? I've called you to do this, and I will equip you to do this, see what I love about God is God doesn 't say do it, see you God says, do it now here 's all the stuff you need to do it. I love that because here 's the bottom line: you think I can do this without him you're you're, you're nuts. I mean, this is scary. I look ahead and and go, God, what have you done? I remember when, when I got voted in, I, I came home, I get back to the hotel, and Emily and I just kind of looked at each other, and I literally looked at her, and I said, what have we done? What are we, are we crazy? And it was like God said, yeah, you're crazy, but I got you. Listen, guys, The time for excuses is over because God is bigger than any excuse you got. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm this. I'm that. None of them are big enough to keep you from the destiny that God has for you. The only person that can is you. The only person that will keep you from fulfilling the calling that God has on your life is not the enemy. It's you. The enemy can whisper lies, he can say stuff, but the bottom line is this, it's on you. I can share, I can pray, I can do it all, but I cannot take over your limbs, take over your mouth, and make you do it. The only person that could is God, and God said, I don't want to do that. I want your love, not your robotness. And so God has said, no more excuses. That's what he's basically saying to his people here. The time for excuses is over it's time to move forward. So the excuses, put them in the garbage because that's where they belong. My excuses and your excuses. The next thing we need to do, it is time to reorder our priorities. Look at Haggai or Haggai, excuse me. 1 4 and 5. It says this, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your panelled houses while this house Lies in ruins. Now therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. This idea of consider your ways, there is, as I was looking through this and studying this, is, is there was uh, a, a, literally a, a, a figure of speech that the Jewish people would use at this time, and it literally says this. It says <clears throat> basically, put your heart on your roads. Put your heart On your roads. Basically, what that means is look at where you're at. When God said, consider your ways, look at where you're at and decide which direction you want to walk. But it's time to reorder the priorities. Listen, listen, God is not upset that they have homes, okay? God is not upset that they have paneled homes. God is not upset that they have homes. Plural. God is upset because their priorities are messed up. Their priorities aren't where they need to be. Their priorities are not on what God is wanting to do. Their priorities is on what they want to do. That doesn't sound like any church I've ever been in. What we tend to do, let's be honest, is we want to make sure that we are taken care of first, and then whatever is left, well, then God can have that. It doesn't work that way. This is not about you living in poverty. This is about making sure that God's plan and God's desires are number one. Okay? So don't go home and say, well, honey, I guess we got to sell the house. No. No, trust me, I'm in the process of that. That is not easy. It seems to be very easy here. Because every time we like, we'll like, look on Zillow, and we're like, oh, I like that. I mean, literally, it's like you pull it up and it's like, oh, I like that house. Do you like this house? I show it to Emily and it's like, it just sold. <laughs> we, we've, we found lots of houses to live in. The problem is, is people have beat us to them, you know. But, but, but you don't have to sell your house. This is about rearranging our priorities. And I want to remind you of something. This is not the bad people, okay? These are the people that left Babylon and came back to Jerusalem. This is the remnant, okay? Don't fool yourself and go, oh, boy, these people were horrible. No, 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 no. These were kind of the cream of the crop. Does that make sense? And they got their priorities mixed up. We can all do this. We can all do it quite often. I know I do where basically I allow my comfort and my plans and my desires to overshadow those of the Father. You see, God is wanting us in this day and age to make sure that our priorities are in order. Because when they're not, something very interesting begins to happen. As you look at this passage of Scripture, we begin to see that basically they're doing all this stuff and nothing is satisfying. They talk about you you, you eat, but you're still hungry. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You clothe yourself, but you're still cold. I, I love the imagery that God gives here. He goes, you take coins and you put them in your pocket and there's holes and they fall through and you can't figure out why. Listen, folks, when your priorities are messed up, you will never be satisfied. Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to fill your heart and your life with stuff that it was never meant to be there. I was a youth pastor for 15 years. It's going to take me a little while to get out of that, probably about 30. And I would explain it to them this way. And this may sound a little elementary to you, which is great because that's where I am. And it's this idea that you have a God-shaped hole in your heart that can only be filled by him. And you can jam stuff in it. You can do all you can, but it's never really going to fit. My son, when he was younger, he had one of these little... I think actually Gordon was talking about this uh, this morning. He had one of these, which is kind of funny, he had one of these little cube thingies. You know what I mean? And it had shapes. Shapes. You know? Everybody, everybody, yeah. everybody has that kid's like, oh, sure, I know that. Yeah. You know, it's one of those normal toys that you play with. And in the shapes, you had the, the blocks, and you had to jam the heart through the heart, and the star through the star, and the circle through the circle, and all these sort of things. And I remember my son being, being young, and he had that thing out, and he, was, he had himself a circle. And he was trying to jam that thing through the square. And he was jamming it, he was jamming it, he was jamming it, and he was jamming it. And it wasn't working, and he was getting frustrated, and he was getting upset. And I remember looking at him going, Easton, what are you doing? You can't put the circle through the square. And it was like God just went, bing! One of the greatest things about kids, out of all the things, whether they're kids that are yours or kids that are something else, is God loves to teach us stuff through them. I have learned more about the fatherhood of God in the last four years than I had in the last 30-something. Notice how I did that. (laughs) And Easton's trying to jam that. And it was like my father took me and he put me on his lap and he said basically this, Aaron, how many times in your life have you tried to jam stuff in a hole that wouldn't fit when the only thing that'll fit is me? The reason why they were going through all that stuff, the reason why they were frustrated, the reason why it was because their priorities weren't in order. When our priorities are in order, everything else falls into place. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. It doesn't say focus on all this stuff and put me wherever I'm left. It says focus on me and I'll take care of the rest. We live in a world of stress and craziness and, all oh, what's going to happen and all these sort of things. And God is just kind of looking at us going, guys, if you just put me where I belong, I'll take care of the rest. It doesn't mean that God's going to make everything perfect. It does mean that he's going to walk through us through every problem, every situation, and every circumstance, which is really all you need. God didn't say, I'm going to come and make your life perfect. God says, I'm going to come, and you're going to overcome because I've overcome. And so we see this unbelievable expression of love here as God says, listen, your priorities aren't in order. And I want to talk about this real quick because this is kind of something I think we miss sometimes. When things don't go right, our initial response is the enemy is coming after us. And let me explain something. That may be the case sometimes, okay? But one thing that God is teaching me right now, especially through this, this, this trying to get this house sold and trying to get all this stuff figured out, and, and, and I was telling some of the guys, if I told you some of the stuff that has happened, that, that you, you, you just would go, are you kidding me? I mean, just crazy stuff. Stuff that like, you're like, what? How is, why is that? You know, and, it's, and, and and what we typically do is we go, we go, oh, I'm under attack. Oh, the enemy's coming after me. You know what I remember about a certain little story? And, 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 and I maybe do this one day. I've, I've always dreamed about it. And so I'm going to, like, tell you now so that if you don't want me to do it, like, you'll let me know, and I'll do it anyway. But when I was a kid, and this is a little off topic, but just, you'll get used to it. Um. We would go to my grandparents' church. which was a little farm church in central Missouri. And, and there had a, this, this teacher there that would teach. And she was amazing. And she was probably 180 years old. And, and she knew Moses. And Moses like, would ask her questions. I mean, it was awesome. And she had one of the greatest tools ever devised by the Spirit. A flannel board. And she would tell the story, and she'd put the person, person on the flannel board. You know, I remember, and, and, and God would, you know, Jesus turned the loaves and, you know, it multiplied. And she had little things, she, the, the fish and the, the loaves, and then she took that one away, and then she put another one, and another one, and another. it was amazing. And one of those stories I remember is, is the story of Jonah. Oh, we all love Jonah, but let's remember something. It was God that sent the storm, and it was God that sent the fish. To get Jonah's attention. Sometimes, guys, you see, God was the one that made them feel the way they did. God was the one. it's some of that part that we skipped, if you want to look at that later, it talks about drought. It talks about God not doing certain things. Why? He was trying to get his people's attention. Listen, let's do something together. We'll work on it together, okay? When something bad happens, let's stop and we want to take a step back and say, God, are you trying to get my attention through this? God, are you trying to help me learn something through this? And he's going to say, absolutely, regardless of what it is. And so he's doing these things to get the people to reorganize their priorities. He's getting them to realize that what they're doing is okay, but God has a better way. No matter what we do in our world, when it's only us, it's only going to be okay. When we follow God's plan and God's direction and God's plan for those things, it becomes amazing. Why? Not because you are, but because he is. And it's awesome. So stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. Reorder our priorities. Every single one of us, myself included. And the final thing, it's time To listen and obey. Listen and obey. Verse number 12, we see that. It says, basically, with all the remaining people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord. And basically, as you continue through this, they begin to, at that point, work on the house of God on the twenty-fourth day of the month, in the sixth month of the year, we, we start to see this. They begin to do it. Listen, you know, sometimes, sometimes um, um, there's there's this thought. And again, if if you're uncomfortable with me just being open and honest, um, then, then then this might not go so well because that's just who I am. Okay, I was writing this, and I went, God, this, this doesn't seem spiritual enough. It doesn't seem, um, you know, like cool enough. You know, I mean, you kind of have that, like, listen and obey God. That's so elementary. And then I started like thinking. It wasn't like God spoke to me. I like started thinking in my life, and I went, Wow, I don't do that very often, though. I might listen, but I don't like what God has to say, or I know what God's going to say, so I don't ask. You do that. You know, it's like you know God's going to tell you to go right, and the last thing you want to do is go right, so you're just like, I just won't ask him. Like, that's going to make it okay? (laughs) You know, it's simple, yet it's profound. Can you imagine, just think for a second with me, how our world would be different if we just listened and obeyed God? Think about that. I'm serious. Think about that. Not, not just your world, but this, this this world. Not just even this place. This. Can you imagine what our world would be like? You know, sometimes we love to talk about the complicated. We love to talk about the spiritual depth of things. And sometimes I think God's just like, you know, um, I like spiritual depth. Obviously, it's great. We're going to have messages that are, are going to be you know, hold your breath to, to dive down deep enough. This is like one of those like, um, like five-year-old Sunday school lessons that we just sometimes just miss. Listen and obey. Listen and obey. See, God wants to speak to you. God wants to communicate clearly to you. Sometimes I'll sit there and say, God, why won't you speak? And sometimes I think God says, because you won't listen. You won't do what I've asked. listen, if, if we as a people, as we as a pastor, if we as a congregation, as we as a community cannot listen and obey God, then we might as well just close these doors, sell the property, give it to the poor, and be done. I'm serious. I'm not joking. Because God, God can use that in more ways than disobedient children. Come on, guys. Let's be real. And I believed as I was writing this, I, and I, I'm just going to speak here a little, not off topic, but just a little side note. I think that there is somebody here, and there may be more than one, that God has spoken very clearly to you. You know what God has said, but you're not obeying it. Okay? And you may not understand. It may not make sense to you. But listen, let me explain something. This is very deep and very um, important that you catch this. God is smarter than you. And God's plan is better than what you have come up with. I don't know who that's for. I just know that there's somebody here, and God has been very clear to you, and you need to be obedient. You say, Aaron, it doesn't make any sense. It probably won't make sense to me either. but, But if God said to do it, you do it. This, to me, doesn't make a lot of sense. I say, why in the world would these people want me? But God said, go. I said, okay. Listen and obey. And what's beautiful about all these things is when that happens, God responds to his people. Let's look at how God responds as we kind of bring this all to a close. Number one, God is with them. Look at verse number 13. It says, Then Haggai, the, me, or, then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message I am with you, declares the Lord. Listen. Let me explain something. I am not a prophet. I don't claim to be. I don't have a really strange name that sometimes is hard to pronounce. But I will proclaim something to you. God is with you. God is with us. And God's not going anywhere. But Aaron, I've messed up. Aaron, you don't know what I've done. And I would say, you don't know what I've done. And we're going to stop making excuses. I am with you. I am with you. That's God's response to his people. And not only that... But God is supporting their efforts. Let's go back and let's look at again verse number 13. It says basically at the end, it says, I am with you. God here is not just speaking here of basically his physical or his presence, which is obviously what he's talking about. But he's also basically saying, I am with you. I am behind you. I am supporting your efforts. I love that God is always with us. But let's be honest. Sometimes in my life, God is not with me what I am striving for. Sometimes I am not doing the things that God would call me to do. And at that point, his presence is still with me, but he is not still with me. Does that make sense? He is communicating here. Not only am I with you presently, not only am I here with you, quote, unquote, kind of physically, but I am here supporting what I've asked you to do. You say, Aaron, I'm not good enough. That's fine. God is. And he's supporting that. If God looks at you and says, listen, I want you to do this, and you go, oh my goodness. Listen, I had somebody tell me this once, and I thought it was very profound and very, very scary. He said, if God has asked you to do something, and you think that you can handle it, he's probably asking you to do more. He doesn't ask us all the time just to do the easy stuff. He asks us to do things that are so big that there is no way we can accomplish it without God. And so not only is he there with us, but he is also supporting us in our efforts. I love that. I love that God is working with me. He is doing something in me and through me. Every single one. And then the last one, which I think is really, really cool, is this. And this is found in verse number 14. It says, God is stirring up their spirits. God is is stirring up their spirits. This is And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and they worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. As I was looking at that, there's lots of different ideas of kind of what that means. I was looking in one translation, and it basically, instead of saying st- stirred up their spirits... It said this and I thought this was cool. It said, and God encouraged his people. God encouraged his people. Now when I think of encouragement, I, I, I played sports growing up and, and, and I I remember as a kid playing baseball. And my mom and dad would go to my games at the games. And I don't know, you know, like I don't know if if you experience this, but usually for what I've seen growing up is like one parent is the vocal parent. And one parent is the quiet parent. Okay? And so when I played ball, my mom was the exuberant parent, and my dad was the quiet parent. And both of them encouraged me in different ways. I remember my mom, she would sit there and she would be like, Come on, Aaron, you can do it. You're a blah, blah, blah. This is gonna be great. And I'm like, I'm like, Mom, you're embarrassing me, you know? Dad was quiet. But if I did something in the game, dad would walk over to the walk over to the dugout and I'd be sitting there and he'd just lean over and say, good hit. And he'd walk back. Listen, there is something to be said that is very, very special about having a parent or someone above you, if that makes sense, whether it be a mentor, a grandparent, aunt and uncle, big brother, big, whatever it is encouraging you. Listen, God is our biggest cheerleader. God is sitting, like like I was, I am excited about what God is going to do. I am excited about how God is going to take this place and transform it. I am excited about God's plans for us. And what's crazy about that is God is even more excited. And he's sitting there and he's going, oh man, it's going to be good. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. They're going to rebuild my temple and then we're going to go. It's going to be awesome. And and God's just sitting there. Listen, I don't know if you have this view of God as being this solemn, look like he was weaned on a dill pickle kind of thing. And you need to get that unbiblical idea out of your noggin. The Bible is very clear. Our father sings and dances over us. So if you got this idea of God, it's a life on the pit of hell. The joy that our Father has is unmatched. And He is sitting there beaming, excited about what God's gonna do, how He's gonna use you, how He's gonna transform you, how He's gonna take you from where you are, blow your socks off, and have you sitting there going, what? just happened. What just happened? And he wants to encourage you. This message is not about, man, I'm not doing it. This message is, you know what? None of us probably were doing it that great, but now we're going to get better. And God's sitting there and he's going, you can do it. You can do it. You have the ability, with my help, you can move mountains, you can do anything, you can speak. I love that Jesus looked at his people and said basically this, you know the stuff I did? Nothing compared to what you'll do. Now, my question is quite simply this. Where is it? Either Jesus was a liar, and if he is, we're all in trouble. Or he was speaking the truth, which is we will do greater things than he did. Um. He spoke to a dead man, and he came back to life. Blind eyes, no problem. Lame, no big deal. Where are those things? You know, I would say that probably they're not around because we're too busy making excuses and our priorities aren't in the right place. You know what? One thing you need to understand is this will never be me talking to you, it will be me talking to us, because I got to do better here, too. I need to learn better here, too. I need to get better and hear God's voice. I need to make sure that I listen and obey. I need to make sure that my priorities are in order, because you know what? Let's just be honest. Right in this moment in my life, I'm going, God, why won't you just sell my house? God, why won't you just bring my family, and God will speak to me. and He says, Aaron, it's not about the house. It's about focusing on me, and I have to rearrange my priorities, And say, Father, I trust you. Father, I know you're faithful. Father, I know in the moment that you are going to, it's going to be perfect. And we're going to see that. And we're going to, it's going to blow our minds, Father. But you know what? Sometimes I get my priorities messed up. Sometimes I'm too busy making excuses to actually get to work and do the things that need to happen. And so this is not a situation. We are in this together, folks. Listen, if you don't want to do this together, then, then this is, uh, uh, you're just going to have to get used to this. You, you're going to probably need to go find another church. You just are. Because I didn't come here to do this by myself. I came here to do this with a group of people that have a loving, desiring, uh, wanting to be close to the Father and be used by Him. To change people's lives. To make a difference in this community. For us to, to grow as a family together. All those things are a part of this. And this isn't a sprint. This is a marathon and we're gonna run it and we're gonna run it well and we're gonna fall down sometimes and we're gonna mess up sometimes and we're gonna lift each other up and we're gonna support each other and we're gonna be there for each other and it's gonna be an amazing journey and at the end, whenever God takes us all home or God moves, whatever God has in store, we're gonna sit there and we're gonna go, oh my goodness, God, you're so good. You're so good. And your mercies are new every morning because I need him. So if the worship team would please come up. We're going to close. And I just want to talk to you from my heart, which hopefully I've been doing, but you know what I mean. Folks, whether you realize it or not, whether you understand it or not, it's time. Okay? It's time. Listen, let's just be honest. Let's, let's just look at it. Listen, our, our world is going to hell in a handbasket. It's time, folks. Because here's the bottom line. I don't really believe there's a lot of time left. I just don't. You know, And, and uh, you know, I, I know people have said that for the last 2,000 years. I know that, that, that some of the disciples thought Jesus was going to come back in their lifetime. And here we are in 2017, you know. So I know we've heard it all before, but I, I will promise you this, it's closer today than it's ever been. I always like when I say those deep things, you know. It's time. It's time. Every single one of you it's time. You see what I love about the body of Christ is this idea of a body. This idea that every part has a place and that every part has something to give and every part makes a difference. You say you say Aaron, I sometimes and maybe this is me. Maybe you don't do this, but there's a lot of times where I feel like I'm just a big toe really am I that important yeah I really am you might feel like well I'm this or I'm that every part is important every part has a place every part has something to give you have something to give to the father if you didn't you would already be home I am a firm believer that when your time is done you're gone You're you're home. I'm looking forward. I don't know if you are. I'm looking forward to that day where God says, Aaron, you're done. The fact that I'm still here, I'm not done. The fact that you are still here means you are not done. Aaron, I can't. Stop making excuses. God wants to use us all in ways that we can only dream of. In ways that if we knew, we probably would run the other way. Because God, we can't do that. And God says, you know, with man, but with me, all things are possible. All things. Look, I don't know what God has in store. I don't know what things are going to look, you know, if if you thought that I came here and it was like, oh, I know exactly how, I have some ideas, I feel like God has spoken to me, but do I know exactly what things are going to look? No, I don't. And I'm completely cool with that. Because God does know. And God will reveal it in the time. But I will say this, I know this, God wants to use every single one of us to make it a reality every single one. And I will make you this promise. If you do not, if you do not listen and obey, this place and this community will not be what God intended for it to be. That's not pressure. That's helping you understand the seriousness of your calling. It helps you to understand the seriousness of what God is calling you to do. You say, Aaron, I don't know what that is. We'll find out. I don't know how I'm gifted. We're going to find out. Because every single one of you have something amazing. Every single one of you have something to give. Every single one of you have something that you could lay down at the altar of the Father and go, God, here it is. And God goes, yeah, here we go. Some of you, it may be as simple it's just that person in your school or that person in your, your own home that just needs you to put their, your arms around them and say, hey, I love you. I am so proud of you. I am so excited about what God has for you. So let's do this. Let's, let's close our eyes. And I just want to pray over you. I want, I want to take a moment and just, and the worship team is going to come in just a second, and they're going to kind of lead us in a closing song. But it's time, folks. It's time. And if we had more time, I would bring every single one of you up here individually, and I would pray over you. we're going to do it this way because it's a little easier. But no, that's what this this is. This is an anointing that God wants to drop on your heart and on your life that'll change everything. Everything. And it's time to start walking in the anointing and the authority that God has given you. Every single one of you. Father, we love you. Father, we come to you right now knowing that in our own efforts, in our own desires, in our own talents, they're not enough. And Father, the great thing about that, they were never intended to be enough. You are enough. And that's what we need. And so, Father, right now, as you have called your people together, as you have brought them together and said, it is time to once again build the house of the Lord. Father, we come to you and we ask that you would anoint every single person. Father, I don't care how old they are. I don't care how young they are. Father, I have learned more from a four-year-old than most people that are much older than he is. Every one of us can make a difference. Every one of us can be used. Every one of us has a destiny and a future with you. And Father, right now we understand that we will never walk in our destiny. We will never be able to do that without your help. And so Father, right now a double portion of your anointing over every individual here. Father, this is not spooky, it's not weird. It is an anointing of power that comes from you and your spirit. That we would be bold, that we would see, that we would hear your words, that we would do them. That, Father, you would say, Go talk to that person. You would say, Listen to that person. Don't say a word, just be there. And we would do those things, and lives would be changed, and lives would be transformed. This isn't about building Broomfield Assembly, it's about building the kingdom of God. And so, Father, we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to be used by you. We understand the alarm clock is going off and it's time to answer it. And Father, we will leave this place not discouraged, but encouraged. We will leave this place knowing that you are with us. We will leave this place with expectations. We will leave this place knowing that you have called us to do something. And we will leave this place knowing that you will finish the work that you have started in us. The only projects half done, they all get finished. So, Father, this morning, as a community, as a family, we offer ourselves to you. Mold us and shape us.